Hello, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, helps you decide how you want to tell your damn story. Today, we're going to take some more questions, and we're going to speak about a loss. But first, who are we? Well, I'm Chris Ryan, former journalist, longtime teacher, about to jump in it again. An independent author of uh, Mallory and Gunner Supernatural Detective Series, uh, sci-fi, high school thriller, Genius High, and uh, a book that gets more and more scary and absurdly true every day called A Simple Rebellion. Uh, and I am in the mo uh, move now towards traditional publishing. I've got, uh, I don't know, three, four, five uh uh lines in the water and i got a couple of already okie doke so i'm on my way now who am i speaking with well ladies and gentlemen <laughs> what we have is the legendary comic book scribing iconic teenage detective writing great underused character developing and globe trotter create Globetrotting creator of the world-renowned Blackjack, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s, whose adventures reflect, reflect today's problems and who we need today more than ever. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the one, the only, Alex Simmons. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Chris. And one more hoot. That's a so, tough Now, I tell you what, that just about wiped me out, bro. <laughs> um, I really did. I, I had to get the energy up it, because. Uh, it's It's been that kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with that you. Day. Ladies and gentlemen, we're only going to spend a couple of minutes on this, but um, Chad, Chadwick Bozeman died yeah. last night, last night. And uh, it turns out that this guy was fighting bowling yeah. cancer yeah. while he was filming. Five of his biggest movies. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, someone just said, because uh, I had posted something about it last night, and this morning, one of the things I read, one of the uh, comments I read was somebody saying that they realized, now that they realized that he was fighting it during all that time, that that made him even more of a hero to them, to them than before. And I, you know, I got to give him credit for that. That's, that's amazing. He was quite a human being. And um, yeah. I'm going to comment on one other thing, but I'm going to let you go first. Well, um, there are a couple of roles that I really, really admired him for doing. You know, Jackie Robinson, he yep. was a taciturn. He didn't speak that much at all during that role and everything. He let, you know, let the playing do the talking and you mm -hmm. saw his private life. And it said a lot about uh, uh, the stroke. And then he did, um, I mean, there's other films that's not in chronological order, but James Brown. Mm. And James Brown is as far uh, removed from Jackie Robinson in personality as you can yeah. get. And yeah. again, he, he embodied this person and we got to see levels of James Brown that we had never been privy to before. Um, and of course, the Black Panther. Now, this was a character that I personally wanted to see on screen for a long time. It meant a lot to me because, I, you know, I just, when I was cutting my teeth on comics, he was in the Avengers, and the Avengers was my favorite comic book, you know? Mm. Um, but 
not anybody, not everybody could take that role and make it mean as much to the world as, as uh, Chadwick Boseman did. And my esteem for him was just through the roof. Now, he, he premieres or debuts as uh, like the third element. You know, there's the Iron Man team and then there's right. Team Cap and then there's this wild card, right? Yep. And that's Black Panther. We don't get to see much, but you get to see him and his regalness and his power and this complex balance in the little he was done to, you know, and he had a one, two line exchange with Walker. Hey, uh, we haven't met yet. My name is Clint. I don't care. You know, and that was it, right? <laughs> and then several movies later in Endgame, he pay, they, they, the writers had him pay it off. And again, it's about the delivery. Clint, give it to me. And while the, the story is advancing at breakneck pace, you're also, oh, he remembered, right? And yep. you could throw away that line. There's so much about the Black Panther that you screw up. And he didn't screw up a heartbeat of that character. And that character, I had so wanted to see him do that character at least twice more. And yep. if you think about it, so I, one of the things that I read today was that, you know, I, I was scrolling and sometimes you scroll back too far and you get back before the news that you're looking at. So <laughs> like a day or two before, you know, last night when he passed. Yeah. There was three pictures. There was Captain Marvel, and in the center was Black Panther, and there was Spider-Man. It says, welcome, uh, 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 something about welcome or honor or celebrate the new leaders of the Mar uh, uh, Marvel. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, I didn't see that before Bozeman passed. I saw it today, and I was like, oh, God, it just got deeper and deeper. So, yeah, I, I wanted to see him at 65 still act. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it 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 hurts. It hurts for a lot of reasons. Uh, mine, I mean, aside from what you were saying about his his work in these other roles, I mean, I I just enjoyed fully the humanity that he brought to the Black Panther role. Aside from all the other things, but the humanity that I know he had for me was revealed in a simple act that occurred. Uh, two boys were writing to him while he was filming two young uh, African-American boys who were both fighting cancer. They were young boys, like 10, 12 years of age. And towards the end of the, uh, he was still shooting towards the, I guess the last month or two or whatever it was that he was working on the film, he got word from the doctors that, that these boys weren't going to make it. That, that in effect, for all intents and purposes, it appeared like they were holding on just they just want to be able to hold on long enough to see him do this. And the interview about this, as he's trying to, Chadwick is trying to, to tell the story. And two of the women who played the uh, Dora Milaje uh, guards were sitting with the actresses were sitting with him. And he, he just the tears just started coming down his face. And one of them had to put her hand on his shoulder, just just squeeze him, just let him know we're here. We're here. You know? But we didn't understand the context. That was powerful then. Right, right, And right. then to understand that he, oh my, you know, it's like, wow. So even in the midst of 
his own challenges, his own pain, his own efforts, you know, to, to be touched that way. And, and you know, if, if depending on what one believes, you know, you know, maybe they met again, you know, well, believe, you know. I'll say one last thing in, in, in an era of whining and complaining and pointing fingers at every imagined slight. Mm. Here's a man who was a hero again and again on screen, letting his actions speak louder than his words. Yeah. And then in real life, we start now, only now do we understand that that was the real him as well. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's gone too soon. He's going to be like the James Dean of this generation where yeah, you know, heroes will be revealed, revered even more. But I, you know what? And that's great. That's beautiful and all that stuff. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted 40 more films from him. And that's, that's selfish of me. And I feel terrible. No, it's real. It's I, real. I, I didn't want him to go. Power. It speaks yeah. to him as an actor. It speaks to him as a person. And I don't think it's selfish at all for any of us to have wanted to see more of him on screen and having a better life and watching his family grow up, enjoying him and all of that. And unfortunately, we're not going to have that. So the next best thing we can do is A, wish his family all the love and support they need to get through this, and B, if we are so moved by who he was, let us carry that forward ourselves. I agree 100%. Yeah. All right, best to him on his next journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so well, our heart goes out to the family. You're right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, in moving forward, folks, and uh, attempting to do our little part here, um, we have some more questions from some of the folks out there who want to be writers or are writers and are struggling with certain things uh, or want to get better at what they're doing, whatever that is. And so I, I pulled together some questions for us to address today, as we did in our previous episode, because it's a joy to be with Chris. And he and I both are sitting here with our scraggly little beards <laughs> and our capacity to twist words into experiences on pages. So, Chris, you ready for that first question? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best, sir. Okay, I know you will, because here it is. Someone says, how do I get over being afraid to share my writing with others? Um, I, huh. that's, a, that's a toughie. Well, you know, I'm very uh, boisterous on this show and all that sort of stuff, and uh but, um, and I can turn that on at a con or this or that, but, um, uh, he is a great guy. Don't, don't get me. <laughs> Whatever he's going to say next. He is a great guy. Go ahead. Well, uh, you have been one of the people who have helped me, um, out of the, the Irish guilt, uh, that I grew up around, which was, you know, oh, yeah, I think you're getting, you're getting too big for your britches. You think you can do that? Write a boy, paint a boy. Oh, you're going to be in a rock and roll band. Look at you. <laughs> well, he was and, wearing tight pants at that time. That's, that's not... Uh, well, you know, it was the <laughs> 80s. Um, late 70s and the 80s. Um, but it took a long time for me to accept a compliment, to think that uh, my stuff might be good enough, you know. And uh, let me tell you, and the person who was asking that question, with all due respect, uh, throw that out throw that kind of stuff out, those years of uh, self-doubt. You are, look at your stuff and look at everything that's out there. 
you know? I mean, there's so much stuff out there. Uh, we're not even talking about the independent stuff that gets up there, but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's published by, you know, the traditional vetting system. And you look at yours and you look, and, and if you look at yours and say, honestly, I think um, I could be better than keep writing, you know? And, and write and then send your stuff to smaller places and write the next one and write the next one. And it'll get there. And cultivate a group of, you know, a few people that you trust that will uh, talk to you honestly about mm-hmm. the work. You know, a writer's group at a certain time, a certain level um, could be a good thing. It's It could be treacherous. You have to watch and make sure there's not someone there who's trying to stomp everyone else because they need to feel. Yeah, you did say choose. You did say choose a good you gotta, yeah. look. You got to check them out and be, you know, if it is that kind of uh, uh, spot, then you'd be, be ready to walk out. Um, but there's places you can go to or people you can talk to or share with that you can uh, get uh, honest feedback for. And again, read all the time. Mm-hmm. Best way to there's two ways to become a better writer, right? One is to write, and the other one is to read everything. Yeah, you know. So that's what I would say. I would and eventually I, you gotta you gotta just throw it out there and. Yeah, un- unless you're totally writing for yourself, in which case, why'd you ask the question? No, right, but, right, right. And <laughs> I don't I don't think if you ask that question, I don't yeah. think you're writing for yourself. But it's not about the you know. There was this, uh, which comedian was it? Um, I'm sure it was one of yeah, them. I think it was Bill Burr, or it might have been Jerry Seinfeld. And they talked about going to the, I think it was probably Seinfeld, uh, going to the improv. And uh, he said, I, I, was, I was terrible. But that was okay, because I just wanted to be in that room. Mm. Wanted to be. And they were, you know, there was a couple of them who were in supportive and, and we would talk and all that stuff. And I would go up and and and, and suck a little less, you know, and, and, and go again. He said, but that's what it was. I wanted to be in that world. I wanted to be in that room. I want to be in this room. I want to be in this community. And that makes it makes you able to do it. So I'm sorry I gave you a lot of answer, but please, if they're complaining, once again, yeah, I just asked the question. Yeah, I I would also say that you know fear is normal. It's it's absolutely normal, especially if you care, you really really care about what you're doing, and you really want it to be good. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be fear fearful. You, uh, if you're going to go out in front of an audience, you're going to be nervous or whatever. You use it. You know, you use it and you get over it. it it's, it's a simplistic way of saying that you're going to feel the butterflies. You're going to worry that it's not right. You're going to do what Chris says. You're going to work to make it the best it can possibly be. You're going to try and find people who will help you do that. And you're still going to be nervous about it. How are they going to accept it? You know, it's okay. It's normal. It's natural. Still put it out there. Still if you don't feel there. nervous, that's when you should start to work. Yeah. <laughs> Get another job. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. So that was a good one. So <clears throat> let's, let's just move on to this next one. Um, I often struggle with coming up with titles for my pieces. See, I gave you the hard one first. <clears throat> How do I come up with something that is catchy, but also represents the story in the best possible way? Um, first draft, throw something up there. Because if you hate it, it you, you can always ask yourself, well, why? Well, <laughs> it doesn't reflect the story. Well, what would? And you get, you know, it's that same idea of let it suck. Throw it up there. Now, some people just, and sometimes I don't name the story. I just start writing it. 
and then it comes as you know as, mm-hmm. as on. Um, I rarely have the title first. Uh, that just happened now. There's some anthology um, called Lost Connections. I, I had nothing for it, and then I watched this Kenosha stuff, and the second one with the kid with the AR-15. And a title came up, and I, I mean, I may write it, I may not. So, hey, you in the third row, don't steal this. But um, <laughs> the Lost Connection story would be he doesn't know. That would be the title, you know, because yeah. I, that's the that's the thing that's really affecting this country is how many people are absolutely sure that they are right and they don't know how offensive, how how mm-hmm. horrible things, uh, you know, how they're really actually doing horrible things, you know. Um, and, you know, even both things uh, this week, we didn't know the full story on both of them. Yeah. And when we got the full story, we could assess it a little better. But when the actor, the the person who is in the center of whatever's happening, doesn't know. Yeah. It's, you know, so sometimes it happens, but don't don't not write because you don't have the title. I I live with I live with the reality that, you know, the title either will come to you at some point, like, you know, maybe maybe it's the first thing you think of. You think of this great title, you write a book or story for it. Sometimes it comes to you because of a character you create within the story. You, you feel like, yeah, that's that's it. It's you know, yeah. or it's a situation that comes up or an item. I mean, titles can come from as many different places as ideas for stories. And and you can be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the original title for City of Woe was Holy Week. And uh, 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 it sounds like school holiday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, early readers. Uh, uh, said to me, he said, well, you're going to knock out anyone who's not, you know, a Christian or a Catholic uh, because they're going to think it's just for those people. Ah, and they said, remember what you're writing. And, you know, uh, uh, I said, well, uh, there's a whole subtext of, of Dante's Inferno. So she says, you know, the, the sign on the gate, you know, enter here the city of woe. You know, and he says, that's your name. That's your title. And I may change it. I may change it to Kokaitis. I don't know. But for for the longest time, it was City of Woe because it's a wider audience, you know. Yeah. Okay, you know. Blackjack, Blood and Honor was, uh, you know, it was a title that came to me while I was writing it. Uh, certainly a lot of within the story. And I don't mean in terms of gore, but I mean, you know, when you're talking about war, you're talking about combat, you're talking about people dying or sacrificing. Uh, there's blood. Blood is spilled um, when when someone is shamed by a beating that they've taken and they thought they should have taken this person. But when they're humiliated, you know, sometimes they feel they want to get revenge. Sometimes it's about honor. And what is honor? And there was a question within the story. What is honor? What does it mean to be honorable? What does that even say? So in looking at the story as I was writing it, the story sort of told me what I wanted to call it. And I think sometimes that happens, you know. Let me ask you a question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but... Oh, sorry. We, you do it so often, you know. Well, you know. Yeah. Hey, what can I see that rule? Um, since we're talking about titles, what is the secret origin of the name Blackjack? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I'm actually trying to recall what I might have called him before, meaning the character's actual name, i.e. that which his parents... Urkel. 
He was yeah. Urkel for a long time. Ur- Ur- yeah, right, right. Steve. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, um, originally the series was going to be called Dark Angel, the Dark Angel, because that was, you know, he was like this angel of death kind of thing. But then I realized that's not what I'm doing. I'm not creating an angel of death. That's not right. So then it was, and this is before I, I you know, the first story I showed to uh, an editor at, at, at DC Comics, uh, Dick Giordano. And so before the, I, the Dick Giordano, right? And before I even showed that to him, I was working with the Dark Angel, and, but it, it just didn't work. I said it went counter to what I was trying to do with him. And, and that was the more I developed the character, the more I realized where I was trying to go with this this story. I realized the name didn't work as even a you know even as a combat name or an alter alter identity uh, alternate identity name. Dark so, Angel, we need you. Yeah, I was going back, back and forth on that. And then, you know, it became, and I, I guess I sort of fell into a little bit of a trap. I was thinking, you know, well, okay, what is he? You know, he's not, he's this, he's this, he's not that, he's this, he's this. Well, he's black. Yeah, okay, you know, I'm not going to call him black man. You know, okay. And and Marvel and several other companies were doing like Black Lightning and Black This and, and Black Goliath. And I said, you know, I don't want to just call him Black Hunter. So I said, wait a minute, what? What is, what is Hunter? Is there another word for Hunter? Is there another word? So I started looking up, and I, I honestly remember finding in a library, because that was when you used libraries more, because Google wasn't that popular in, in, in uh I remember. In uh, yeah, I, we rolled up in the wagon, and Mom held on to the range while I went inside. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I remember, I think, it was, I think it was Greek, and I could be wrong, folks. Don't hold me to this. I have to go back and look. But I remember looking up, Hunter and some other alternate uh, dialect, Jack was 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 the reference that came up, and I went, he's a dark hunter, he's a black Jack. Oh, okay, that works, and I that's what I went with. And, so and the lesson, the, I'm sorry, the lesson there is research. Yep. Rewrite, and the more work you do on it, the more. Right. They- the, the answer will come up. So the other thing I would add to that, what you just said, is is listen to or pay attention to what you are trying to create. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't say, well, I came up with this name, so I have to stick with it, no matter how I. F-. No, listen to that progression, that process, because right. at some point yeah. it's trying to tell you this is organic, this is correct, this is right. You yeah. can stand by it. Yeah, uh, and, and the more the better you get, and. and Listening to that voice, not the editor, <laughs> but the other voice is the tr- this was and pulls you. It's almost not so much of a sound as a pull, right? Um, yeah, yeah, the, the, right. The Whiplash McGinty was in third person uh, for like the first two or three drafts of it, and um, two days ago, three days ago, uh, I, I just I I. Took it, made another copy of it. So I'm, I'm going to try it in first, first person, from the grandson's point of view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, the grandfather calls the grandson Pony Boy, and um, yeah, you know, yeah. So sometimes you have to listen, and it's 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 hard because the editor over here always tries to drown out the you know the, yeah. whatever the angel or the it's, news over there. Or whatever. It's hard. All right. It's hard to come up with, you know, the habits of recognizing you do have these two voices and when you are supposed to be paying attention to them. That, that's something you have to practice as well. Yeah. 
And and to be totally transparent, I'll just and then we'll go back to questions, folks. Um, I just turned in a story uh, recently, a short story, and and I, you know I struggled with it, I, and I could not figure out why. And towards the end of the process, which I still it still needs work, but towards the end of the process, I realized I was trying to tell two stories, two two different stories, and the first story that I was trying to tell didn't want to fit in this position, didn't, didn't want to be that, you know, there was not enough space for it to be that. I was not as committed to that theme as I thought I was when I came up with it. And it was a better story to be told as I was going through this process of writing it. So it didn't completely change everything, but it changed several things and it changed a little bit of the direction for the character. And when you're battling with that, when you aren't conscious of that, Sometimes it's like, you know, oh, well, why am I doing Well, because you're not listening. You're not, you're not listening, you know. So that's just something else to be aware of, folks. And it doesn't well, mean you're you're not, it just means you, you, you got it going on. You got to take a breath. You got to really pay attention, really when listen. You're, when you're a, a younger writer, you call that, uh, oh, I've got writer's block. <laughs> and when you're a wily veteran, you say, ah, I have to think about this a little more. Yeah. And you go out and and you, you shop for groceries or you know walk uh, the dog, walk the dog yeah. or whatever. Go for and a run if and you come back and you say, "Ha, huh, let me try this." And it's that it's that conversation inside. I mean, half the writing is going on in the back of your head yeah. while you're living your life. So, Absolutely. all right then, we so answered that, that question okay. four thousand ways. Yes. Okay. So, um, oh, here's a goodie. You'll like this one. <laughs> How do you, Mr. Ryan, write a character of the opposite sex? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because you're there, there's a there's a larger challenge there, right? Uh, because you haven't walked in those shoes, or or you know wedges or whatever, thing, yeah. right? Um, research listen, um, get some readers of the opposite sex and say, you know, get someone you can trust. I had to write a romantic scene. All right, it was called a sex scene. And um, I didn't have any clue what, uh, this was way early on. Um, and I, I asked a good friend who was female, you know, can I- you Ask those questions. Can I ask those questions? That's very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, another thing, I was in a uh, grad class, uh, Rutgers Newark, and uh, Alice Elliott Dark was the teacher. She's a great writer. And she read some piece. It was an early, early, early version of uh, what was going to be a chapter in the City of Woe. Uh, the sex scene didn't make it to the final draft because the pace was too quick. But there was a sex scene in there. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> You mean the, the pace of the sex scene was too quick? No, the pace of the story, there was no time for sex. I, and then, I know. I just couldn't go, right? go by. pretty funny. But I had the scene, and um, the two who were having uh, this uh, intimate moment uh, climaxed at exactly the right time. And uh, God love Alice Elliott Dark. She says, this is great. It's very difficult to write this scene, and you handle it rather well, but um, try 
making them not quite both get to that. Yeah, because most of the time, women, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy shit, that's so funny. And it was such a, you, you know, such a great idea for the scene that we wrote it and, it, and you know. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it, it's a, a more it, challenging yeah, thing. So tone, yeah. do the research like yeah. you would do anything. I mean, I've never been a Nazi, right? So you have to do that whenever I have the time I'm writing uh, Blackjack Roy, you know. It's World War II or just about before World War II, and there are Nazis about. You got to do the research. Yeah, I also this should is mention more careful that, research. Yeah, I would also mention that, and I know a lot of people can find this difficult to believe, but you've never been black. No, I haven't. Yeah, see, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I knew you didn't want to bring that up, but <laughs> well, you know, I never have been black. Yep. No. No. Um, no. But, but I got. Uh, I got a microscopic percentage of what it was like one day so screw you chris ryan right but um at a certain point my so-called friends found out that my mother's name maiden name is rodriguez and uh you know i was i was a skinny kid i looked like an afro on a stick when i was you know young being mid-teen so i was nobody's tough guy and there was one or two others who were at that, you know, the lower level of the totem pole, right? Right. And one guy thought he was going to, you know, supposedly a good friend of mine, but he thought he was going to um, score some points. So he got a magic mark and wrote all over the little areas of the of playground where you could, you know, Chris is a spick. And oh. then brought me over to it in front of our friends and said, we're going to have a, a, a grammar lesson. And uh, I kind of looking at everybody, so I hadn't seen it yet. And then he jumped up on the bench, and he, and for that that unreasoning, unwarranted, you know, there was no reason for any of that kind of hate. And it was years later. I was like, well, wow, that's one. What did that moment last? Three minutes of your life? Because again, we wound up in, in the, who's who was going to hurt each other with like, you know, 20 pound punches. <laughs> um, but as I grew and, and started seeing more and more of what, uh, you know, second hand, third hand, 58th hand, you know, what, uh, other people go through mm-hmm. that one little thing gave me just like a, a pinhole, you know, to look through to see the total eclipse that is everyday life, you know? Right. And, yeah. And, you know, the more I read, the more I've become friends uh, with people who would give me some insight, you, you start to learn. Um, but uh, we've had this discussion. Yeah. You know, can I write black? Do I have a right to write blackjack? We have to, you would laugh at me on, yeah. I don't know what episode it is, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, to same, tie, you know, to the time with, with women and yeah, exactly. in, genius, in genius high, I had a, um, a trans character mm-hmm. and, um, she was supposed to be one scene. She was in there and, um, she kept showing up for work Yep. and then solving problems and being a guidance. And then I got to know her better. Um, and started doing some work and started doing some research. I only wrote her in there 
so that this kid that was in my high school who was just cha- just testing the waters of it and he he I mean every day he was in pain he would walk against the wall you know like he just wanted to disappear and it was yeah. oh my god and I just wanted to write just a brief to have a, a trans person in there as just another character yeah. member in the you know, and and but then she wouldn't leave. Stevie solved so many problems for me that I had to respect her. And then she became a bigger part of the uh, uh, Genius High, you know? So it's the same thing, you know? Um, do the work, serve the story, respect the characters. And just because you wrote it doesn't mean it's great. You have to go and find someone and say, is this legit? Yeah, this is. Ask those questions, man. And I would think also, you know, don't be either too full of yourself to ask those questions or don't be too afraid to ask those questions. Because if you really want to serve the story, if you really want those characters to resonate with a genuine tone of feel or whatever, then you got to do that work. And you should be proud to do that work. You should be enthusiastic about it. Uh, you know, it's like uncovering the Ark of the, of the Covenant, you know, like, wow, this is, this, if I use this, this story's going to, you know, and that's, that's yeah. where... That's where you should go with with as much energy and as passion to serve that story as possible. I, I also I would add one other. You, you you have a you have an appointment, so I don't. Know uh, if you she want... just waved, so I'm okay. okay. I'm going to say one more thing about that. When okay. you're doing your research, please, 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 don't do your research at sex.com or nude.com or you know wherever you know the the, the uh, uh, sexist depictions of girls are, you know, uh, go to the mall and see real people, go to your friends and talk to real people, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're, unless you're writing some knockoff two bit, you know, porn or softcore porn, then you don't need to be listening to this podcast. If you want to write stuff that people want to read, you got to go to reality and you have to spend time with real people having real conversations and looking at them right in the eye, right in the soul. So the character will come together if you know the soul of the character, if you know the person, not if you know the measurements. Measurements don't make the person. End of speech. Yeah. I will also give you uh, another source that I use sometimes when you cannot get to maybe the area you live in or you know, I mean, you're out in you know Naval Lent, Missouri, and there's no no folks like you're writing about around. Um, you can't. <laughs> That's yeah. a great town. I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, one of the things you can do, and I mean, YouTube and and certain other streaming stations do serve a purpose. Look at documentaries, really solid documentaries. I'm not talking about you know trash. I'm talking about really do some homework, find some good documentaries, pay attention. So you can read, you can meet people, you can talk to people, you can watch documentaries, but yeah, do the homework before you take on this particular challenge of writing about someone, someplace that you've never been, the type of people you've never spent any time with. Okay, so last question for today is, excuse me? I said, oh. Oh, yes, yes, okay. Um, how do I get enough explanation across, you know, within a story, without seeming like I'm data dumping into the tale? 
Yeah, I'm going to say it again because there are a couple of things I preach all the time. First draft, you're telling yourself the story. It doesn't matter how much data you dump in there. Second draft, you're looking for a coherent story. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point in the, the last draft I was doing of City of Woe, which was might have been my 20th, 25th draft, but you don't need to do 25. I was learning. Um, it was, you know, my... I'm going to have to ask her permission to use her name because she's, she's such a great editor. But she was like, you know, you have a tendency to, to describe things three ways. And maybe one, one, you know, choose the best, the strongest one. So I went through the draft, you know, uh, every page of it, looking for over-descriptions. Mm. Cut them out. You know, the, the secret is in in doing the work you know and reading it again and going over and going over it and can i explain that in a better way is that is that really what that person is doing at that point um there was a uh, a one word switch that i did in this last story in the last minute you know of, of rewrites and it changed the tone of the whole paragraph it was just one word right so pay attention and and, and it's it's not, you're not wrong when you rewrite. You're not, that's part of the process. You know, writing isn't painting with watercolors. It's painting with oil paint that stays wet and then you can manipulate. You know, it's not uh, uh, Polaroid photography. It's sculpture, you know, you, you, and that's through rewrite. So, you know, don't worry about how much you dump the first time. Then you start to... Yeah. Yeah. So rewrites once again becomes the, the savior. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's about taking the time to go back in there and get it as right. Spell that with a, an R this time as you can. You know? um, and, you know, and, and embracing that. <clears throat> Pardon me. I know sometimes uh, when I work with young people in particular. Hold on. So. <clears throat> Pardon me. Oh, got that right. My ear. Anyway, when I'm working with young people in particular, they're. They're so used to the school environment that they come from where, you know, you're going to get marked for not getting it right, that first answer. Uh, you know, they're you know, concerned about that. You know? So it's like, no, you know, please throw it out there. There is no, you got to get it right first. You, you're going to work at getting it right. And, and you're going to discover what right is. You know, because it's the other thing. You wrote several stories you know, before you ever wrote City of Woe, and then you wrote City of Woe, and then it was published, and then, you know, and then you went back, because, you know, it could be even better. So, I mean, the reality there is, and, and like I said, I just admit, I turned in something, I'm going, it's not, it's not right. You know, and it's like, no, but it wasn't, it wasn't. And I, you know, I have to take that responsibility. But it means that I know that the first time, the second time, the third time I worked on it, I still didn't get it where I, I knew it needed to be or I wanted it to be, and I needed to do that more. And yeah, you might you might think, well, yeah, but the, how often should I go? Well, that's another question, and that's the question we already answered. So there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you go until it feels right and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, to quote George Lucas, you never finish a piece. You just, at a certain point, you have to abandon it. You know, I sent out the... Uh, Pony Boy story. I hit send, closed the laptop, walked around my desk. By the time I got to the door of my den, 
which is six or seven steps, a really small room. I was like, oh, that, I, 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 here's what I wanted to do on that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, you know, everybody does that. Everybody yeah. does that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, Chris, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you for the people who sent in questions. Um, to end it again, you know, um, our hearts go out to, to uh, the Bozeman family, and we wish them everything they need to make it through this very difficult time. Uh, to everybody who, who really is struggling with the days and times that we live in, you know, there are heroes in the world. There absolutely are heroes. They're, they're good people. I'm not talking about superpowered human beings. I'm talking about just basically good people who do the best they can with what they have. And I think that this is just a good time to remember that. And for those of you telling stories about those kinds of people, more power to you. We're here for you. And Chris, what do you want to say about all that? I, you can find new heroes all the time. My latest hero, um, I'm catching up to this book, um, is a guy named Matt Ruff. And he wrote Lovecraft Country. And I'm not a H.P. Lovecraft fan. But this isn't primarily about that. It's about the monster that, you know, that is America, for especially for African-Americans. Uh, and it's set when um, there was a travel guide for what places were safe and all that stuff. I mean, I'm learning about sunset towns. You know, and it, there's so much to learn as, you know, uh, a white person who went through a white education, you know. I mean, I had to learn about Tulsa from yeah. the Watchmen. I had to learn about Sunset Towns and Sunset Counties from Lovecraft Country. And I know it's on HBO, but this guy's writing is fantastic. And... um Here's a guy who's he's he might be whiter than me. He's pretty pale, but uh, he's writing convincingly. And how do you do that? You do that through love of the craft and serving the story and doing the research and you know doing what it takes to yep. tell the damn, damn story. There you go. Hey everybody, we'll see you next time. Peace. Chris, love you, man. Take care. Love you too, brother.